You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be reacting to Arsenal's 4-1 win over Millwall in their third pre-season friendly of the summer. We're going to be discussing some individual performances. We're going to be reacting to the game overall. We're also going to be taking some of you guys' questions from the live chat box and from Twitter. And um, yeah, today was a bit of a weird day for me because I woke up in the morning and I was like, I cut the podcast short yesterday, the podcast that we did um, sort of talking about the, the the latest stuff on James Madison. And I had to cut it short because I had a, a lot of stuff going on. I had some building works going on uh, on the property, literally right outside my door. And what I didn't want was shows with digger noises and all sorts and you know having the dog next door barking during a podcast is about as far as we'll go on here um but yeah so we cut the show short yesterday so when i woke up this morning i was like right i need to do another piece of content uh to make up for the fact that we only put out one podcast yesterday and that we cut the one that we did do short and so the thing that came to mind was well let's give it over to you guys and do a bit of a q a but I had no idea at the time when I woke up this morning at about seven o'clock that Arsenal were going to be playing a preseason friendly. Now, of course, Arsenal had to pull out of the Florida Cup due to some COVID cases within the travelling party. And, you know, we, we were unsure of what was going to happen. We knew that Arsenal were working behind the scenes to try and get a couple of friendlies in place. Um, but we didn't know that they were playing today. So when we woke up this morning, um, as the day sort of started to progress, the news came out that Arsenal were going to be playing a pre-season friendly against Millwall at midday at London Colney. And so that kind of shifted the focus of the show, right? Um, and now we've got a game to react to, which I'm delighted because over the last month or so, we haven't had many and uh, we're not going to have many over the next few weeks. So let's take the opportunity to react to the game and talk about some actual football rather than transfer speculation and all the rest of the stuff we've been touching upon over the last few weeks. And what I will do is towards the end of the show, I'll go over to some of those questions that you guys submitted via Twitter. We'll pick out a few of them and then we'll do another podcast tomorrow where it's just purely and solely, unless any other news breaks, based on you guys' questions. So we will get to those questions. I'm just trying to say that we need to cover the game as well. That is what most people, I'd assume in the chat, uh, will be here for because it was a much better performance for the Arsenal. Um, some some really good goals, some real real positives to take away from it. I know we're talking about a championship side, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to Millwall, but it's not the level of competition that Arsenal are going to find themselves uh, coming up against week in, week out over the course of the 21-22 season. So uh, that has to be taken into consideration, of course. Uh, but there were lots of positives, and we'll come on to talk about them in a little bit. Now, I I don't know if anybody else did, but I broke the the news that Arsenal had won the game by four goals to one and who the goal scorers were. And 
I got that information and I put that tweet out. And I've got to be honest, at the time when I put that tweet out, I didn't know that Arsenal were going to air the entire game. I thought that Arsenal were just going to show the highlights later on. And actually, in hindsight, if I'd have known that Arsenal were going to show the full game the way they did, I might not have tweeted it. I might have left it because I do feel, and a few of you let me know on Twitter, that I might have uh, have ruined uh, the, the game. But I was given that information. To my knowledge and understanding, I thought that the club were just simply going to uh, put out a highlights reel off the back of it, you know, just come sort of condensed into a, a couple of minutes. And so I thought people would want to know. I thought people would want to know right away that Arsenal had won the game by four goals to one and uh, the, who the goal scorers were. Now, again, I'm not sure if anybody else put it out. Um, so I, I'm not saying that I was the only person that knew. Uh, but judging by how mad that tweet went, and I don't think it was, I didn't think it was ever going to go that bloody mad. Um, I don't think many people had the information. I'll just share that tweet with you. Uh, for those of you uh, watching us via the live stream on YouTube. So I'll just read it out to you as well, if you're listening via the audio. So at 2.51, uh, sorry, at 2.07 p.m., I tweeted, hearing Arsenal beat Millwall 4-1 at London Colney this afternoon. Goals from Chambers, Lacazette, Pepe and Balogun. And throughout the game, I was literally getting tweets from you guys saying, oh my God, it's one out of one. Yeah, it's one out of four. It's two out of four. It's three out of four. It's four out of four. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, just want to apologise if I did ruin the game for some of you, because as I say, I didn't know the whole game was going to be aired. And if I did, then I might not have uh, shared the tweet. But hey-ho, is what it is. Uh, right. Anyway, let's get into the game itself. And uh, there's a few players that I want to talk about in particular. I'm going to start with the man who opened the scoring, and that's Callum Chambers. Now, we've talked a lot in the last few weeks about what business it is that Arsenal need to do. And I've repeatedly said that right back for me is, is not at the top of the list in terms of priorities. I think there are other positions Arsenal must address before turning to the right back slot. And I think that Callum Chambers, again, um, gave himself... Um, Gave, well, gave a really good account of himself and to the point where he's given Mikel Arteta something to think about again. Now, look, it's Millwall. It's a pre-season friendly. And just like when I said we shouldn't be getting carried away by the defeats in pre-season or the draws in pre-season, I think with this one, um, you've got to apply the same thing, right? It'd be hypocritical not to. But I do think that Callum Chambers as a footballer has developed a fair bit. And I'm starting to wonder now if... You know, when he came to the club, we kind of moved him into the centre-back role. And I'm not sure that that was necessarily the right move. I think what we're seeing from him right now is we're seeing some really good defensive performances. But we're also seeing him get forward and impact games in the final third. Of course, uh, Chambers getting himself on the score sheet, as I say, opening the scoring today. But it's it's very different. It's a very different Callum Chambers. And he's looking really sharp and really strong physically. Um you know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, Callum Chambers is is the next Cafu and that I want him to play every single week, week in, week out at right back. But what I will say is he has shown something. He has staked the claim, in my opinion, to be the number one, at least of the right backs that we currently have at the club. Now, of course, there are better right backs out there and Arsenal probably should go out and get one. But if you're asking me right now who should play in that position out of Bellerin, Cedric and Chambers, 
you know, I wouldn't have put Chambers at the top of the list previously, but the more this is going on and on, uh, the more I'm starting to think that, you know what, he is doing it consistently, he is performing. And I wouldn't be surprised if Callum Chambers starts the season at right back for Arsenal. I really wouldn't. Uh, let me just quickly address uh, this question in the chat uh, from John Knott, who says, is the show nominated for an FCA? That's, of course, the Football Content Awards. So I haven't actively pushed people or, or prompted people or asked people to vote for me uh, in the FCAs, but we have had a few votes. I've seen them on Twitter. So first of all, I want to say a massive, massive thank you uh, to everybody that has voted already. And you can vote if you want to. Maybe I'll pop the instructions in the description after. But it's one of those things that I wasn't planning to do. Um, many, many years ago, I got to the finals of the FCA um, with my my two friends that you've seen on this show, uh, Dan DeLuca and Simon Alavi for a different podcast that we had. Um, and we got to the final and it was great. Um and, and ever since then, I've kind of not really bothered. Like, it's like been there, done it, whatever. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just, I just, for me, like, it was a nice experience and stuff, but I haven't really kind of thought about it this time around. I didn't even know the voting was open until I started seeing a couple of tweets. Um, so I do really, really appreciate the people that have already voted. I can see lots of you in the chat saying that you will vote. So I'll tell you what, on the next video we do, uh, the next podcast we do tomorrow, I'll give you guys the full instructions on how to do it and I'll put it in the description. And um, yeah, of course, any votes are appreciated. But listen, for me, the most important thing is that you guys are here watching and listening to the shows. And um, I don't need an award to know that this show um, is going for strength to strength. And I don't need an award to know that you I've got one of the most supportive uh, subscriber bases out there. So thank you all so much. And we will, uh, seeing as there's a few people that want to get involved, we will put the details in the next show and uh, we'll discuss it a little bit more in detail about how you go about doing it. But let's get back to the game against Millwall. So I've talked about Callum Chambers and how I thought he had another very tidy game, another good performance. Um, the, the thing that impresses me the most about Callum Chambers, and I'm not basing this on today, I'm basing this on the back end of last season, is the physicality and the athleticism. I didn't really think Callum Chambers had in him, if I'm completely honest. He seems to get up and down the pitch really, really easily. And um, what he gives you, because of his maybe understanding of playing as a centre-back as well at various points in his career or as a central player in midfield, I think what he does give you is he gives you that ability to, at times, look at the situation and say, well, Kieran Tierney's gone, and so I need to tuck in and become part of the back line as opposed to going forward. I think the fact that he's quite comfortable doing that actually fits into this system quite well. And there were some tactical things I noticed from Mikel Arteta's Arsenal today that we're going to talk about in just a second that have been carried over from last season. But I think what you're seeing now is they're becoming a little bit more evident and a little bit more obvious. And I think Mikel Arteta's team selections, where we've kind of at times sat down and gone, why has he done this or why has he done that, have actually been geared to this philosophy, if you like, or this style with which he wants to play. Now, there'll be people that disagree with it, of course. Uh, there'll be people that really like it, but I'm going to go through it now uh, and show you guys exactly what it is I'm talking about. So we talked a lot about how Arsenal were quite lopsided as a team last season, didn't we? We talked about the fact that there is a greater emphasis 
uh, on Arsenal to do things down the left-hand side from an attacking sense than there is on the right-hand side. Now, if you cast your mind back to Arsene Wenger's days, you'll think that this is not something new. Arsenal were always a little bit like that, weren't they? Ashley Cole uh, coming down the left with Robert Pires there and, of course, Thierry Henry often pulling out to that left flank as well. There really, really was an emphasis on the left-hand side. And I think you're seeing that again now with Arsenal. And I'll explain why. Now, on paper, this is how the team lined up today. Uh, let me just make this full screen for you guys so you can see it uh, as clearly as possible. So on paper, this was how Arsenal lined up. It was a conquering goal. It was a back four of Chambers holding Pablo Marie and Kieran Tierney. In midfield, it was Mohamed Elneny alongside Thomas Partey with Emile Smith-Rowe sporting his brand new number 10 shirt. Uh, Pepe from the right. It looked like Inketia was playing from the left and Aubameyang was the central striker. But that's not quite how it panned out when Arsenal were in possession. And the key man in this is whoever plays on the left side of that mid double midfield pivot. And in this case, it was Mohamed Elneny. Now, we talked a lot about Granite Xhaka last season and how he did this role really, really well. And it quite struck me quite early on in the game how much Elneny was pulling out to the left-hand side and picking up the ball in the left-back area. Now, that is something that you will see Arsenal under Mikel Arteta do very, very frequently. And what that does is that gives Kieran Tierney the license to bomb down that left-hand side, which we all know he is so good at. Then you just see things become a little bit more narrow in the heart of the defence and Callum Chambers, as I've just mentioned, being able to tuck in as well and make it a little bit more solid for Arsenal in that sense. Now, when Elneny vacates that space in the midfield, the onus now is on Thomas Partey to drift slightly more infield from his slightly to the right position and get in the middle of the park and start to control things. You'll see Emil Smith-Rowe drop that little bit deeper just to provide Thomas Partey with that extra bit of support. And as a result of Kieran Tierney going down the left-hand side, what you will see is Aubameyang and Enketia almost becoming something more like a front two. So when Arsenal actually have the ball and actually look to attack a team, it looks more like we're playing a 4-2-4. That isn't the case, of course, when we're without the ball, but it's a, a way of Arsenal really, really trying to um, to kind of shapeshift in-game in a way that makes them effective. And this allows Arsenal, you'd feel, to get more bodies in the penalty area. Now, those of you who have watched the shows we've done in the past with Adrian Clark will know how spot on his analysis is. And he picked this up, didn't he, during the stream of the game. He talked a lot about how Arsenal had struggled last season to flood bodies into the penalty area. And that was a big issue for the Gunners. And he was quite pleased to see that actually Arsenal are doing that a lot more regularly now and a lot more sort of efficiently, effectively. And that should lead to Arsenal scoring more goals. So it's great to see that. But this is where as fans, we have to be quite careful because, you know, we looked at the, the starting 11 many, many a times last season and went, Oh, why is Aubameyang playing from the left? Or why is this player playing from the left? And I think we have to understand and we have to realise that in Mikel Arteta's system, whoever does play from that left-hand side, the left-hand side of the front three, is being asked to essentially become a striker, a centre-forward, when Arsenal have possession. So that player needs to be the right player for that. And that's why Mikel Arteta went with Aubameyang so often there. Um, it's probably why he looks at somebody like Gabriel Martinelli and thinks that is, um, you know, that is a, a suitable player to kind of do that job as well. 
It was a little bit difficult, though, for Arsenal to really implement that towards the back end of last season because of how many times we were without Kieran Tierney. Now, if you don't have a left back capable of getting up and down that flank, then all of that goes out the window. It's a machine where all the parts need to connect and all the parts need to work cohesively for you to get that end result. So, Mikel Arteta... Um, is is building towards that. That's what he wants to see. Whoever the left winger is, is meant to come in field and join up with Aubameyang as a second striker. You're meant to have one of your midfielders drop into a slightly deeper area as part of the defence to give Kieran Tierney that licence to go forward. And, and, and then Thomas Partey shift into a more central position. Now, that is largely why the fact that he does drop that midfielder deeper is largely why Arsenal have been better defensively under Mikel Arteta, right? Because he leaves an extra body back. That's an extra body that Arsene Wenger, Norin Emery would have left back. Both of those managers would have told both their fullbacks to bomb on. And that was why Arsenal would lose the ball on the transition, end up with one midfielder in Thomas Partey in the centre, completely alone, and have to cover their entire width for the pitch. The two centre-halves behind him wouldn't want to split too far. They wouldn't want to cover the wide areas. And all of a sudden, you've got a very, very stretched Arsenal defence. However, by having that extra body, it allows Mohamed Elneny to then step out into that midfield and help Thomas Partey or whoever it is when that turnover happens and Arsenal become a more uh, solid defensive unit. You've got an extra line of defence there. And what that does in an attacking sense, as I've already explained, is it allows us to get extra bodies in the penalty area, get people closer to our centre forward. And once Pepe comes in uh, from the other flank as well, I think Arsenal can start to really flood the penalty area with attacking players. And that is really, really key because it's not something we did enough of at all last season. Let's say a big thank you uh, to Saeed Abdullah for your very, very kind Super Chat donation. Saeed, thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate it. Um, really, uh, thank you so much, man. Don't know what to say. Uh, big hello to She Knows Arsenal as well. Get over and check out Jess's channel. Uh, it's fantastic. Please do head over there and uh, give Jess a subscribe as well. I'm sure you'll be seeing her over here on the Chronicles of Aguna uh, very, very soon as well. well Nuno Tavares but what Nuno Tavares does is he gives Arsenal uh, the ability to replace Kieran Tierney uh, when he is not uh, fit and he's not available and we know don't we as Arsenal fans that that is going to happen at some point over the course of the season. Kieran Tierney uh, has experienced uh, a number of uh, injury issues signing for the club and fingers crossed uh, you know we're going to uh, we're going to keep, we're going to have him fit for as many games as possible. But, uh, you know, to have a, a capable deputy in Nuno Tavares, who a lot of the same qualities, i.e. can get them down, is very physical, is very quick, et cetera, et cetera, is obviously a massive, massive help uh, for Arsenal moving forward. I can see some of you saying in the comments that there's a little bit of a lag on the stream. I've got no bloody idea why. I've got a wired connection and it's still bloody lagged. Uh, so please let me know um, if it is still struggling. I will uh, flick it over to the other connection if it is, um, although that would mean a brief pause mid-cast. Um, this, is it glitching? Okay, give me a second. 
uh don't go anywhere let me just uh switch this around hold on hold on hold on hold on there we go is that any better let me know hopefully it improves uh but i've switched uh to the other connection nightmare you spend all this money right to fix up a little studio and get everything set and then you get lags and you get all sorts of bloody trouble um apparently it's coming and going bear with me a second let me see uh what i can do uh afterling says it's better nishit says it's better patrick says it's better um okay cool let's carry on then and apologies as i say i, I don't know what's going on and it's sod's law that my internet works absolutely fine all day and all night apart from when i want to do a live show uh so yeah uh, having nuno Tavares, as i was saying has really helped arsenal or will really help Arsenal in terms of being able to make sure that we do have somebody who can come in and do that same job in the event that Kieran Tierney's not available. Now, am I saying he's as good as Kieran Tierney? No, I'm not saying that. But he does have that capability and he's the same type of player in the sense of he will get forward frequently, has the athleticism to run down that side uh, pretty much alone and make it his own. Now, we talked about Chambers. We talked about the team shape. I want to touch on Arthur Okonkwo just a touch. Um, I don't want to dig the kid out because he, um, you know, he's a very, very exciting prospect. And I talked about it last week that I don't think it's fair uh, that young kids like Arthur Okonkwo have uh, received criticism off the back of kind of mistakes here and there. But I, the more I watch him, I do feel that the, sorry, the more I watch him, the more I feel uh, that he is not at the level yet, that he's not quite ready. I know he's been given uh, some really poor passes to deal with, but I've never looked at him in any of those situations and thought, well, you've you've done okay there. I think he really struggles uh, with the ball at his feet. You know, fingers crossed he will improve and he'll, he'll continue to develop. And as I say, I'm not writing him off. I'm not saying he's a bad goalkeeper, but I just think it's been glaringly obvious in the opportunities that he's gotten uh, so far in the first team during this preseason that he's not quite at the level yet. And Arsenal really, really do need to go and get another goalkeeper in, don't they? Um, it's really, really important. Um, some of you have been criticising Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the, in the uh, social media space uh, straight after the game. And again, look, he didn't score, but I thought he was quite heavily involved uh, in a number of the goals today. And I thought his overall game was actually OK. Um, you know, Aubameyang, you know, you want to see him scoring goals. Of course you do, but I don't think he uh, warrants being criticised today. Uh, a little bit of praise for Willian, uh, because I thought he was really good in the lead up to following Balogun's goal. And, um, you know, we spend a lot of time, don't we, talking about Willian's thoughts and the disappointment uh, of Willian, etc., etc. But I thought he did really, really well. And that was the kind of Willian that we've been crying out to see from the day he joined the football club. But it was good to see him at least uh, get involved in that moment and play a nice one too, and then play a really well-weighted pass through for Balogun to take around the goalkeeper and slot home. Um, the, the the main point I want to focus on off the back of this friendly is uh, is Albert Sambi Lakonga. And um, I've talked him up on this show. I've talked about what a good signing I think it is, about the fact that I feel he's got the makings of a really, really top draw centre midfielder. I've also said that I don't think he's necessarily ready to start in the Premier League week in, week out yet. But he does have that Matteo Genduzzi feel about him where you do feel like this could be someone who does come in 
and surprises us by how good he is and therefore perhaps forces his way into the side. And I was really, really pleased by what I saw of Lokonga today. I thought he was fantastic. I talked about the Vieira comparisons in the past and I really, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Patrick Vieira, but there are elements to his game where you do see Patrick Vieira, don't you? Where the way he receives the ball, takes a touch, kind of shifts it out of his feet. I think he progresses the ball between the lines brilliantly. He's always looking to do that. Every opportunity he gets to move Arsenal forward, break the lines, get the ball into the forwards, into the wire players. He takes it. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't dilly-dally on the ball. He doesn't think about it and turn back. He's Every time he receives it, his first thought is, I need to play uh, a forward pass and I need to get us on the front foot. And I think uh, he looked really, really good today. I think when you look at him physically, he looks built for the Premier League. Um, you know, and I think there are a lot of positives off the back of what we've seen of Lokonga. Now, again, I don't want to get carried away. I don't want to get carried away either way when it comes to preseason friendlies on how good someone is, how bad someone is, or what works, what doesn't work. I don't think you can read too much into these games, but we're going to have an opinion on Lokonga off the back of seeing him in an Arsenal shirt for the first time. And I thought that he, you know, he gave a really, really good account of himself. And I wouldn't be surprised if Albert Lokonga plays a much bigger role in this team going forward, um, you know, than, than many of us think and many of us predict. Now, I think when we signed him, I, I kept talking about how a good a signing it was and how much I liked the signing and it was the right type of signing. But a, a tiny little part of me in the back of my mind was going, 20 million though? You know, it feels a little bit steep. You know, it's going to rise to around about 20 million feels a little bit steep but you know fair play to the lad he he's shown that he's he's got quality not just today but during his time at Anderlecht and I think having seen him and having seen him on the football pitch today in an Arsenal shirt where I was paying full attention and watching him move the ball the way he does dropping into those areas that I was talking about Mohamed Elneny dropping into and doing it so well considering that he's just come into the side I thought showed uh, and intelligence and shows that he's able to pick up instructions and tactics quite quickly, uh, which is something you worry about a little bit with some of the younger players. Uh, but I thought, yeah, I thought that he, um, I thought that he looked really, really good and I'm pleased with what I saw from him. So fingers crossed uh, he does go on to, uh, to impress throughout the course of the season. And we do get to see a lot more of him. I, again, look, obviously I'd prefer Arsenal to go out and buy another central midfielder. I've been saying all along that that's the, priority area for me. That's the one area if Arsenal had to only make one signing that I would want to see them do some serious business. And I still think that because I still think it's a risk to go into the season with Lekonga as your first choice. But I've I've taken some encouragement from what I've seen of him. You know, as, as you guys are saying, it is one game and you've got to remember that when coming to your kind of conclusions and making your judgments. But I was impressed by what I saw of Albert Lekonga, I must say. Um, that's pretty much it really in terms of what I wanted to discuss from the game. I mean, if you've got any questions relating to the game, pop them in the chat now, uh, put a little cue at the beginning and I'll, uh, I'll pick some of those out and then we'll take a couple of Twitter questions. And as I say, we'll spend uh, the full show tomorrow going through those Twitter questions, because if you've joined us late, when I put the tweet out asking for those questions, I had no idea 
that Arsenal will be playing in a friendly today. And that has obviously taken uh, precedent. Q&As we can do anytime. Uh, but obviously, when there's been a match, we need to react to it. So get your questions, your uh, match-related questions in the chat box. I'll pick out a few of those. And while you're doing that, I just want to quickly remind you guys that this show is brought to you by manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to manscaped.com, enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you'll get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. Now, lockdown is lifting. You know, you might go on a date. It might go better than you planned, in which case you're going to wish that you'd manscape. So get involved. Check out the Lawnmower 4.0, big favorite of mine. Uh, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Check it out. As I say, use our discount code. It's in the description below. So is the link and that uh, you can stand to save yourself a fair bit of money. Uh, let's check in quickly where we are in terms of likes before we... Um, before we go diving into those questions, uh, likes are really, really important for the channel. They do push the video out to more people. And um, I just want to uh, make sure that we get as many as we can. Look, we've got over 400 of you watching, but we've only got 80 likes. Let's get that up to 150 at least, surely. There's more than enough people in the chat box uh, to get that done. Right, let's uh, let's see what we've got here. Um Patrick Carlson says, should we keep Lacquer? Oh, it's such a hard one, isn't it, Patrick? Because I keep flip-flopping on this. Because on the one hand, I think that he is an important part of this team. I think that he does help a lot of the youngsters out. They they do benefit from having him around. I think he links up really well with Aubameyang, but also links up really well with the young players around him and brings the best out of some of them. I think some of the best performances we've seen from Smith Rowe and Saka, for example, have been partly down to how effective Lacazette has been playing in that centre-forward role in front of them. So, on in that sense, I think, yeah, you know, from a purely footballing perspective, I wouldn't have an issue with us keeping Lacazette. But then the kind of business side makes you think otherwise. You know, you look at this player who is at a point in his career now where he isn't going to go for mega money because of the age he's kind of approaching. He's also going into the final year of his Arsenal contract, which means that we risk him walking away on a free transfer at the end of the season. And we spent, you know, around about £40 million off the top of my head to bring Lacazette to the club. And so it feels like it would be disappointing if he walked away on a free. So I am in two minds on this. I think Arsenal need to make a decision, though, one way or the other. It's got to be either you give him a one-year contract extension, which I think I probably would do. Um, when thinking about it, or you make that decision and you move him on now. But again, in pre-season, a lot of the good stuff that Arsenal have done has come through him. He looks enthusiastic. He looks he looks sharp to me. Um, he looks like he's really, really um, playing some of his best football in an Arsenal shot. I think Arteta's got a lot out of him. Um, he's managed to get out of him what uh, previous managers haven't. It was his best uh, goal-scoring season last season in an Arsenal shirt, which is you know, proof of that. So, yeah, I, th I think I probably would keep him just about, but I would un understand the decision either way. I just think there needs to be one. There needs to be uh, some kind of decision made for sure. Um, what else have we got here uh, in terms of your questions? Uh, Marble Horse TV says, how much game time will Balogun get since there's no strong links? Laka, Oba or Eddie are leaving. Um, so, I think that 
he will get game time. I think he will get game time, not through the middle, though. I think it will be in that left of centre position that I've been talking about. I think that's where he'll probably get his, his first opportunities. I think that Eddie Nketiah will leave. I know there's not strong links about it, uh, but to my understanding, he is not at the moment willing to sign the new contract offer that Arsenal have put on the table for him. And as a result, I think the club will be looking to cash in on him. So I do expect uh, Eddie Nketiah, at least, to leave the club between now and the end of the transfer window. Uh, that's that's my personal opinion based on what I've heard. Uh, but yeah, let's see. Uh, let's pick out a couple more of these as well. Um, a couple of you sort of giving um, giving Aubameyang a hard time in the chat box. Ram says uh, Ramsdale or Leno. For me, burn Leno. Um, that's why I, I can't get my head around this Aaron Ramsdale thing. The latest reports are suggesting that we didn't offer 30 million and that we, we were nowhere near that. And it's more like 18 million uh, with some add-ons that would take it up to about 23, 24 million. But again, it's so difficult during the transfer window to make sense of, of a lot of situations because there are contradictory reports about certain subjects everywhere you bloody turn. So you've got to take things with a pinch of salt. But I did think that it was a bit crazy, the £30 million price tag. And so on that basis, I wouldn't be surprised if that report is uh, true. And it is that it is the case that Arsenal haven't offered anywhere near £30 million yet. Uh, let me take a couple more of your questions. Uh, Vishal says, uh, central attacking midfield is a really tricky position to sort out. If we sign Madison, we hinder Emil Smith-Rowe's growth. But then again, it makes no sense spending £60 million to bench him. Thoughts? I don't think we're going to sign James Madison now. Um, what I've kind of heard over the last couple of days have really um, changed my mind on on the viability of this deal and how possible it really is. I was at the beginning a little bit sceptical about how much it was going to cost. And then over the last few days, I kind of talked myself into the idea that bringing James Madison to the club would be fantastic and Arsenal should do it. And they should especially do it if they would be able to kind of lower that price tag by offering a couple of fringe players that maybe are of interest to Leicester City um, as a part of the deal, as a sweetener to reduce that transfer fee but you know David Ornstein doesn't expect it to happen and I know he's not always right but he's normally got a good idea um and I just I, I don't know I, I don't know I think there are so many positions Arsenal need to address I don't know if they can spend uh, in excess of 60 million pounds on somebody like James Madison you know assuming that Leicester even want to sell him we know that him and um Brendan Rodgers haven't always seen eye to eye they had a little bit of an, a thing after James Madison broke the lockdown uh, protocols. But to be fair, you can't point that at Brendan Rodgers. You can't look at that and say, Brendan Rodgers is in the wrong here. He dropped him because he broke the rules and I don't blame him. So uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steve Stone says, Harry, I'm not as good as I thought I was with a razor. Any chance you could stream before I shower next time, please? Ouch. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, <laughs> cheers, Steve. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Josh Hunter says, uh, do you really think Arteta will go with three central midfielders in midfield? Because I don't consider Partey is a six and it would mean we get Neves or another eight in with a while, possibly. I think that he will bring in another midfielder, but I don't necessarily think he's going to play a 4-3-3. I think it will more often than not still be a 4-2-3-1, which is 
what I ever showed you guys on the screen a little bit earlier, because I think it gives him that ability to shift the shape as I described. So I don't think it will be a 4-3-3. I think it will be a 4-2-3-1. Um, so the two-man pivot with the, the creative player uh, playing in that more advanced role. I do think, though, Arsenal are going to bring in another midfielder. I really, really do. Who it's going to be right now, I couldn't bloody tell you. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Ram Prasad says, reports say that Odegaard might leave Real Madrid. Let's wait. Yeah, talked about that a little bit yesterday, uh, that Martin Odegaard is still somebody that Arsenal would really, really like to sign. And they will be keeping an eye on that right until the very last minute. Real Madrid have played hardball on this and they've, they've gone on and on about the fact that they don't want to let him go and he's part of the future. But we know what the situation is at Real Madrid. We know that they need money. We know that they may be looking to finance some really sort of um, glamorous deals, if you like, and that's kind of what Real Madrid do, isn't it? They've signed Galacticos and they bring them to the club and they spend vast amounts of money. And I think Martin Odegaard selling him for around about 40, 45 million would go a long way for Real Madrid in this transfer window, given the situation many clubs find themselves in financially off the back of the pandemic and the fact that they as a football club are just in desperate need for the money uh, you know you can't rule this one out you really can't uh let me just pick up a couple uh, more bits some of you asking about ben white and we spoke about it yesterday there is um there are there or there are claims during the rounds that uh, he will undergo his medical next week. There's been some reports as well suggesting that Ben White has returned from holiday early in order to complete his move to Arsenal. I think that is the case. And I think probably by Thursday, the latest, um, Thursday or Friday, the latest, I think we'll have an announcement on that one. But from what I've been told by all accounts, that deal is done. Ben White is a gooner. It's just a matter of time before we see him pictured in the shirt at London Coney and at the Emirates Stadium. Right, we are going to leave it there, I think, and we'll uh, we'll put all of those Twitter questions into the mixer for tomorrow's podcast. I'll join you uh, late morning tomorrow. We'll get involved, we'll jump on here live, and it'll be available, of course, in podcast format uh, slightly afterwards, and we'll just spend the whole entire time uh, going through you guys' Twitter questions, because I know there are loads there. We'll pick out some of the best ones and ramble through them. I'll give you some info tomorrow on how you can uh, vote for us in the FCAs if you'd like to. And um, yeah, why not? Give us a support uh, if you'd like to do so. As I say, it wasn't something I even thought about, but we have had a few votes already, which is great news. Uh, so let's uh, let's go. Uh, right. I'm going to catch you all tomorrow. Until then, take care. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday evening. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening.